Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. I wonder if you're a little excited about that day. Man, what a day that's going to be, man. I feel like we could just sing that for about 30 more minutes, just like over and over until it actually really gets ingrained into our head and our hearts. How great a day that's going to be. No, no more pain, no more sadness, no more sickness, no more goodbyes, no more nights. The long night will finally be over and we will be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a day that will be. Man, Wes, you were getting into it, man. People around you, they didn't know what was happening back there. They heard Wes talking about getting excited. Man, I saw people start shaking. Well, what a day it's going to be when we see Jesus. Thank you so much for being in the Lord's house. And man, if, if you were traveling and I didn't get to see you last week, let me just begin by just saying Happy New Year. Happy New Year to each and every one of you. You have honored us by being in the Lord's house. But greater than honoring me or us as a church, you have honored the Lord. Amen. You have honored the Lord by being in his house and uh, uh, looking forward to what uh, he has for us this morning. If you have... Uh, your Bible. I pray that you do. If not, we, there's some there in the seat back. I want to ask you to grab that Bible and flip over to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. That's on page 431. 431 in my Bible. I don't know what page it is in your Bible, but uh, hopefully that'll help you get close, right? And uh, over there in Proverbs chapter uh, 3. And uh, I pray that you've had a good week. One thing I will say is... Uh, Evidently, the Lord turned the heater off outside. Uh, we went from 16 degrees to 60, and, uh, and, and I'm guessing that caused a lot of people to get a little bit uh, dealing with colds and stuff like that, because immediately we felt like we could wear shorts and flip-flops again. And uh, let me tell you, if you have 15 degrees one day and 60 the next day, do not change what you are wearing, right? You're going to catch a cold. Uh, but anyway, Proverbs chapter 3, I pray for each and every one of you all the time, and I pray that you are excited to be in the Lord's house. If you're watching online with us, thank you for joining us there as well. Let's look in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 1 and following, and I'm just going to read here just for a little bit as we get into the message for today. The Bible says, in beginning in verse number 1, says, My son, forget not my law, but let thy heart keep my commandments. This is all good information for us as we get started in a new year. Notice again, it says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For the length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thy heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord. With all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise 
Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we've had just to be reminded of who you say we are as your children. Lord, help us in this day and age not to be so concerned with what others say that we are, but to remind ourselves, to be encouraged, to be strengthened by the reality of who you say we are. Lord, help us to remember that you have all authority in heaven and in earth. And so, Lord, whatever it is that we're going through, whatever struggles we have, whatever things that we are thinking about that might even come tomorrow, Lord, help us not to, not to give so much thought to tomorrow because as the old singer used to say, tomorrow never comes. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be with us as we think about what you would be honored with and what you have for us today, knowing that one day, And one day very soon, we will see you as you are. And Lord, what a day that will be. Lord, we're so thankful for the songs of worship and praise that we were able to sing. But Lord, now we draw our attention to your word, to your will, to your way for our life. God, I pray that you'll be honored and glorified. And Lord, as I have been reminded over these past many weeks, Lord, I can do nothing without you. And so, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart this morning might be acceptable in your sight. Lord, because you are my strength and my redeemer. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to us. I pray that you'll change hearts and lives today as only you and as only your word and as only the Holy Spirit can do. Lord, I pray this in the precious and the most powerful name of all, the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake, Amen and amen. Well, what a wonderful passage of Scripture we have before us last week. If you were here, maybe you watched online. We actually began the new year by looking at what God's Word has to say over in Psalm chapter 1. And and, uh, we were kind of looking at this idea of what does a blessed life look like. And if you remember or you watched, uh, Psalm chapter 1 is six verses. But we kind of outlined, Scripture gave us an outline of two ways. Right, and, and if you go to the New Testament, Matthew talks about a broad way that leads to destruction, but a narrow way that leads to life everlasting. You can find that in Matthew chapter 7 and verses 13 and 14. But last week we looked at the two ways, and, and Scripture revealed that one way, actually the way of the righteous, prospers, but it also gave us the opposite side of the coin where it talked about the way of the ungodly actually is a way that perishes. This morning we're confronted with these incredible words of wisdom from the wise man Solomon. The Bible says he was the wisest man that ever lived. And so I'm reminded each and every day I'm not that smart, right? And my wife didn't have to tell me that. But the reality is this passage that I just read for you, it actually directly, it, it directly relates to you and I and to our ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. The reality is 
When we come to the point where the Word of God and the Spirit of God draw us and we understand that without Christ we are undone, we are headed to an eternity separated from God, when we, when we come to the point where we have placed our faith and our trust and our confidence in the risen Savior of the world, that's not the end. Right? Life continues, and so we ought to be growing in our understanding and, and the privilege that we have to grow and know more and more about Jesus. And so every year, it's amazing to me, but at the beginning of the year, what do most people do at the beginning of the year? They make New Year's. And let me ask a question. You don't have to get up and say you're guilty or anything, but does anybody think to yourself, have you made a resolution that on day 8 of January, you're already broken that resolution? You know, it's, it's funny, but most people make New Year's resolutions. You know what they typically have to do with? They typically have to do with food. They typically have to do with diets or exercise or getting rid of some bad habit. Very rarely do I hear people come to me and say, Pastor, man, I, my New Year's resolution is I just want to be more like Jesus. Never heard anybody ever say that. <laughs> Said no one ever, right? Or, Pastor, man, I, I have a New Year's resolution, and, and sometimes this happens. I have heard this. Say, man, I'm going to read through my Bible this year. Praise the Lord. That's a great resolution. But the reality is most of our resolutions that we make are dealing with those other things. But ultimately, somewhere along the line, I think all of us, come to the point where we ask, and I've had many people ask over the years that we ask, and we're always asking, we're always wanting to know, what is God's will for my life? What is, what is God's plan? What is His will for my life? And I can tell you, I can take you to other passages of Scripture. In fact, I did a lesson not too long ago, and it wasn't even New Year's. It was a couple of months ago, and uh, we were talking about Thanksgiving. We were getting ready for Thanksgiving, and you can go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and see God's will is that we rejoice evermore, pray without seeking, without ceasing, and actually to be thankful for everything. Now, when I say that, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and to be thankful for all things, most people are like, yeah, there are some things that I struggle with being thankful for. And the reality is we're all in the same boat. But this morning I can assure you this, that God's will for our life, we can go all throughout Scripture and see the, the Word of God and Him pointing us to His will, but I really think we could simplify what is God's will for our life if we just said these two words. I believe God's will for us is that He wants you and I to be faithful and he wants us to be fruitful. Think about it. He wants us to be faithful and he wants us to be fruitful in a way that not only prospers based on what we were talking about last week, but in a way that actually brings him honor and glory, the honor and glory that he deserves. Amen? And so uh, today, oh, they have they already put up the slide? Yeah, I thought maybe they had put it up there and you guys were probably getting nervous about the message because you see some hands holding some tomatoes in there and the title being entrusted. The reality is that uh, over the next few Sundays, I want us to take a look, knowing that God has blessed us and knowing that God has entrusted us with so many wonderful things, I want us to kind of come to grips with how can you and I be faithful, but how can you and I be fruitful in this way that pleases God? And so I guess you could say, for lack of a better way of putting it, this is all about, it has to do with all about uh, good stewardship. 
Because I believe good stewardship is a key ingredient to a successful Christian life. And you notice I didn't hear anybody saying amen or glory be to Jesus when I said good stewardship. In fact, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that every year when I do anything about stewardship, most people start itching. They're like ready to go to lunch. Like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we, dear, don't forget, we got to get out of here real quick, right? Good stewardship is part of our relationship. In fact, I put here, it is key. It's a key ingredient to a successful Christian life. And to be sure, good stewardship or this idea of being entrusted, it's all about trust. I was talking with the family and my mother-in-law uh, the, the other night. We were out celebrating Casey's birthday. We, we did things big, man. We went to Red Robin. All right? You're going to get a burger, get a burger, right? It's either Foster's or whatever. I kind of wish we'd have gone to Foster's, to be honest. But anyway, uh, so we're at Red Robin. But on the way, I was, I was, this, this topic was already marinating on my heart and in my mind and everything. And so as we're driving, I started using the word, I wanted to use the word tomfoolery. I just kept on saying tomfoolery over and over. And everybody was like, what is wrong with you? And Every sentence I was inserting tomfoolery, tomfoolery. The reality is, it's tomfoolery for you and I to trust one another. It's tomfoolery for you and I to trust our abilities, to trust everything that we can do, our talents, our abilities, our finances. You name it across the board. It's tomfoolery. Now listen, if you're a doctor or a nurse, I don't want to discount that God uses you in a magnificent way. But it's tomfoolery for me to trust physicians and nurses and lawyers and on and on and yet never trust God. Because he's the one who gives those people wisdom. He's the one that gives them the ability to care for us. He's the one who gives teachers the ability to teach. He's the one that gives preachers the ability to preach. He's the one that gives singers the ability to sing and on and on. And so I just kept on thinking, man, it's crazy, but I think that we live in a time where we trust everything under the sun except for God. And so this may be a little different. This is not going to be your typical like stewardship uh, message or whatever because it's all about trust. It's literally all about trust. And Barry was saying something this morning. This isn't even in my notes. In our Bible study, we were looking at Joseph in chapter 40. And, and if you know the story of Joseph in chapter 40, he's in the prison. And there's two guys there, the butler and the baker, and they dream a dream. They want to know the interpretation of it. But I was reminded, and, and he kind of alluded to this thought that we're looking at Joseph's life in chapter 40 as he's in the prison. And you, just like you and I, we may go through seasons of our life where we feel like we're in a prison. We may feel like our physical health isn't what we want it to be. We may feel like our finances aren't where they need to be. We may feel like our job isn't what we want it to be. And so we go through all of these seasons of life and, and we're dealing with all of these things. But what really stuck out to me is that we were looking at Joseph, as Barry alluded to, in chapter 40, but Joseph had no clue what his life would look like in chapter 41 through 50. And if you don't know the story of Joseph, you got to read it. From chapter 37 to chapter 50, read the story of Genesis chapter 37 through 50, because very soon Joseph would be out of prison, and very soon he would be 
elevated in his position of leadership. So we have no clue, but we have to trust God. Look with me again at verse number 9, because verse number 9 in our passage says that you and I are to honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And so when it comes to stewardship, the wise man, what he's telling us right here is that God must have the best and God must have the first fruits of all of our substance. Now, here's what I want to set your mind at ease because you're thinking, man, here he comes, Baptist preacher. He's going to talk about, uh, brother, have you, if you haven't put your offering in, please stop by the offering station on the way out. By the way, that's a side thought. If you haven't done it, you could do it. Good. Uh, no. Watch this. Look at the verse again, the word substance or the phrase substance. Look, it is speaking of our wealth, but it is also connected with the Hebrew word pronounced un. It's actually, I got a apostrophe O-N, but it's pronounced un. And it actually means ability, power, might, and strength. Isn't that good? See, because when, when, when the wise man is talking about honor the Lord with all of thy substance, he's not just simply talking about the coins in your pocket. By the way, I don't carry coins in my pocket, and if I had my wallet, I can show you that my wife allows me to have no money. So you can try to rob me all you want, but you ain't getting nothing. Because there ain't no money on this guy, Right? This is talking about the ability, the power, the might, the strength that God gives us. And the question is, are we going to honor him with those things? Do we trust him enough to honor him with those things? You see, Scripture, what it's actually saying here in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 9 is that you and I are to honor the Lord with the entirety, watch this, the entirety of our estate. Estate planning is a big thing. A lot of people see people, uh, smart people to do estate planning and everything. Krista's already got my estate planned, okay? She's already got a plan for whatever estate there is left, speaking of, of the financial realm. But the reality is, what kind of estate, what kind of planning, what kind of preparation, what kind of exercising of the estate that God has blessed me with am I making use of each and every day of my life? So if we're going to honor the Lord with these things, this includes honoring Him with our body and our spirits, which the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6.20 actually belong to Him anyway. But it not only requires us honoring Him with our body and our spirits, but everything else He has blessed us with. Time, health, abilities, influences, and yes, even our finances ought to be de devoted to the Lord first and foremost. Why? Because they actually belong to Him anyway. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork as Psalm 19.1 says. He owns it all. He not only owns the cattle on a thousand hills, he owns all the hills. He created it all. He spoke this, this universe into existence with the word in the beginning, God. There was no beginning without God. In the beginning, God. See, he was before what you think is the beginning. He was already God. So he's creator, he's sustainer, he's provider, he's savior, and he's worthy of everything we have. So when it comes to the substance of our lives, we must careful not to honor ourselves. Because guess what? I didn't get it. He gave it to me. Oh, we need to honor 
him from whom all blessings flow. It was Matthew Henry in his commentary of the whole Bible. He put it this way. Here's what, he said it this way. He said, God, who is the first and best, must have the first and best of everything. His right is prior to all other, and therefore he must be served first. Uh, John Wesley, he actually said this. He said, lay out thy estate, not to please thyself, but to glorify God. And if you look at verse number 10, because verse number 9 says that we're to honor the Lord with all thy substance and the first fruit of all thy increase. If you look at verse number 10, notice it says, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with wine. So verse number 9 gives us the instruction. Verse number 10 actually says, guess what? I give you a promise. If you just do right, if you'll honor the Lord, if you'll put him first with your whole estate, your ability, your power, your strength, your finances, whatever it is that God has given you, if you'll do that, if you'll honor him with everything that he has entrusted you with, then the reality is, is guess what? Your barns are going to be filled with plenty and your presses are going to burst. They're going to burst out. The point here is that we need to honor the Lord with the substance that comes from him anyway. And when we do that, he blesses us with the ability to do more and more and more. By the way, can I just tell you, this is not prosperity gospel. This is the, this is the reality of sowing and reaping. We reap what we sow. Do we know that? Right? The Bible says that we reap what we sow. And sometimes we're not real good at farming, are we? Listen, this thumb has no green on it. Right? That's why, that's why I contact Barry and others to help me out with, 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 with agricultural things. But there are spiritual things that we should be sowing. Right? Are we faithful? Are we being fruitful to that regard? See, because Scripture tells us, listen, whatever we sow, we're going to reap. In fact, Proverbs 11, in verse 24 and 25, the Bible says, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholds more that is meat, but it tends to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. There's a principle that runs all through Scripture of reaping, sowing and reaping. In fact, Luke chapter 6 and verse number 38, Jesus himself said these words. He said, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together. And running over shall men give unto your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. I always, I used this illustration years ago. Anybody ever do uh, rake any leaves in your lifetime? Now, I have a wonderful uh, uh, place where I live now. Years ago, uh, I mean, I have woods all around me. So you know where I'm putting those leaves? In the woods. So I'm out there. Listen, this is no lie. I actually saved gift cards. I just saved gift cards. Man, I get a, like a $25 Lowe's gift card. Then I got another one. Then I got another one. I had like four years of Lowe's gift cards, Right? And I went into Lowe's and I bought the biggest backpack blower that those gift cards would buy. Every year, I've given up raking leaves. But here's the deal. When I did have a yard where I, there was nowhere else to go, I was putting them in trash bags. Have you ever done that? And you know how I did it? Like I would lay the trash bag out and, maybe, and I would step on one side of the bag and step on the other and pull the bag up and I'm shoving leaves in, right? You're trying to rake those leaves in and I'm shoving the leaves but I don't want to waste a trash bag. So guess what? I'm cramming that bag as full of leaves as I can. 
So I set it up. I get in and I'm pushing those leaves down. And then I put it back down and I'm shoving more leaves in. And I'm pushing it down and I'm pushing it down and I'm raking more in. That's exactly what Jesus is saying in chapter 6 of Luke. Watch it again. In verse 38, he says, given it shall be given unto you. He says, good measure, pressed down and shaken together. That's what we do when you get the leaves in the bag. You shake it and then you push them down. He says, shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Listen, there's a principle that comes with being able to trust God with the things that he, watch it, has entrusted us with. The question is, are we doing it? Oh, listen, it's good for us, whether it be giving our time or abilities or finances for God's honor. By the way, if you give your time, if you give your abilities, or you give your finances for God's work, you're not going to be poor. You're actually going to be rich beyond all measure. I'm not talking about giving every last penny you got so that you walk out of here, you can't even buy a loaf of bread. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about giving our, our, our substance. Like some of you, let's just be honest. Some of y'all need to get in the praise team. Some of you could work back here on the lighting board so Denise doesn't have to do it every Sunday. Some of y'all could be trained in, in, in the audio uh, world. James could help you with that. Gordon could help you with that. We got guys that sit up there and put up the scripture verses and these things week after week after week, and they put the services online. Man, some of you could do that. You say, I've never done it. We can train you, right? Come up here and play the piano. Let Dina's fingers have a break every once in a while. You could do that. Some of you, maybe Gordon to get a break. We had two Cajon players. We had two little drummer boys today. That was crazy. That was crazy, man. I was like, what we got? We got the, like the whole marching band up here. Right? The point is this. What are we doing with the abilities and the talents and the treasures that God has already entrusted to us? Sitting on the sideline. In many cases, that's what we do. And you say, how do you know? Because I sat right there and did the same thing. For many times, they would be asking, hey, who wants to work in the nursery? And everybody's like, did they? they did, did, oh, did, did they say who wanted to go to King's Dominion? Yeah, I'll go on that trip. No, what are we doing? We can serve the Lord. Listen, stewardship can seem, and I, let, me get the, let me get this out. Stewardship can seem like a daunting task. I get it at times. It can seem like a daunting task. But the reality, in fact, especially when things don't add up, kind of similar to the lesson this morning, when things don't add up, when things don't make sense, stewardship can seem like a daunting task. So what's the answer? Well, let's look at the passage again quickly. Look at a quick review of... Uh, of our text. I think it'll give us some clues here. Look at verse 1. In verse number 1, the wise man reminds us that you and I need to be learning God's Word and then live in such a way that His Word is ruling our very lives. When the Word of God is at home in our heart, the reality is you and I are going to be more comfortable to live our lives according to His Word. If we don't know the Word of God, then we can't live the Word of God. Does that make sense? If, I, if I'm unfamiliar, if all I know is that Jesus loved me, this I know for the Bible tells me so, that's great and that's important. But if that's all I ever know, then there's no way that I'm going to be living my life according to the rest of the counsel of God. And so we got to know God's word. To be honest, this is all about our responsibility. Our responsibility as stewards. Because guess what? The Lord has entrusted us with his word. So guess what? If he entrusts me with his word and all I do is this, 
and I set it up on the shelf with some other books, or maybe I do it like this or, or whatever in the home, and it's kind of like a neat little thing, and I've got it set up with some candles or whatever, and people come and say, oh, they must be uh, Christians, right? That does me no good. It does me no good. we got to get into God's Word. In fact, if you look at the text, verse 2 says that if we do what verse 1 instructs us to do, that we will be blessed with long life and peace. Now, before you get all excited about living a long physical life, the reality is, guess what? Now, God may add some days to your life, but I believe this is the opportunity for you and I to celebrate the fact that our days will never, ever end. <laughs> With Jesus, guess what? My days are never going to end. I may cease to exist here in the physical realm, but guess what? As soon as I'm gone, listen, don't worry about me because I'm going to be kicking up my heels in glory. I'm going to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. I believe that's also a pl at play in this verse, celebrating long days. And it, it talks about peace. Guess what? I have peace because of Jesus. Oh, listen, friends. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 indicates that we should always be showing mercy to others. Hello. While holding fast and proclaiming the truth of God's word. As Christ's representatives, we are to live out the scriptures, which actually means, as I said a minute ago, we need to know the scriptures. So a life of kindness, a life of tenderheartedness, a life of compassion and forgiveness is actually essential. It's essential if you and I are going to be good stewards of what God has entrusted us with. If I, if I have the word of God and I know that I'm to be kind, tenderhearted and forgiving, but I never exercise kindness... I never exercise forgiveness. I only like it because I only like we're real good at liking forgiveness when it comes to God. Sometimes we're not very good at giving it to others. Oh, friends, we've been entrusted with this for a reason. And following the pattern that was established in verse number four, the reality is that the favorable results in verse four come after we do what verse number three indicates that we're to do, to be merciful and to hold on to truth and on and on. Look at verse number 5 and 6, probably some of the most familiar verses in all of Scripture that we've read. But I want to break it down. I want to read these verses. The Bible says trust. That word trust means to be confident, sure, or to be bold in the Lord with how much of thy heart? All of thy heart and lean not. In other words, do not support yourself in your own understanding. But look at verse number 6 in how many ways? All of our ways, the Bible says that we're to acknowledge him and he shall direct or guide our paths. Listen, we're told that the answer to living a successful Christian life, ongoing relationship with Jesus, it's twofold. Trust and obey. Some of you uh, more mature saints, not old, but more mature. By the way, I don't even know if I can really say that. Some of you old people, you're just, just like you're 18 still. Running around, running and gunning like you have, have, have no care in the world. Listen, you remember the old song? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. There's some good theology in the words of that song. Trust and obey. 
Oh, listen, verse number seven points out the reason. It's actually pretty cool because verse number five and six tell us to trust and obey, to acknowledge God in all our ways, and right? And he'll direct our paths. Verse number seven actually tells us why we don't trust God. Because we're smart, right? We're, we're smart people. Oh, God, I, I really don't need you today. I got this one. I, I'm going to trust on my own wisdom. Can I tell you that that's a horrible, horrible decision, Right? But verse number seven points out the reason why we don't trust God. In fact, it presses us about thinking that we're so smart and said, telling us to fear or to reverence the Lord and to turn away from evil. And I put down in my notes, the level of one's trust, watch this, will be evidenced by how a person lives. How am I living? I say I trust God, but does my life match what my words are saying? Am I really living a life in which I trust the Lord? Do I really believe that he has a plan of peace? He has a plan of peace to give me an expected end, like Jeremiah 29, 11 says. Do I really believe that? Because if I do, then it's going to be evidenced in how I'm living my life. Oh, listen, I ought to be living and walking in humble submission to him every day. And verse number 8 says that when we do this, we'll be nourished. And we'll be strengthened. That's what verse 8 was all about. And as we've already read and discussed earlier, the same process is true for verse number 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and the first fruits of all thy increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty in verse number 10. And guess what? Our press is bursting forth with new wine. So what we can see very clearly from Scripture is that just in these small groupings of Scripture... The commands are all-inclusive. No, there's no exception. Nobody's given, given an out. It's like, well, that's only for this group of people. That's only for this. No, if you're a Christian, these verses are for you. They are for me. They're, by the way, they're just not for the pastor. They're for all of us. In fact, you see, God doesn't tell us to partially obey or to partially trust him. He directs us not to forget his word. He, he charges us to share mercy and truth. He instructs us uh, to, to, to trust and acknowledge him as he leads us. He reminds us to quit relying on our own wisdom and to turn away from evil. And he ultimately points us to the stewardship that you and I have all been blessed with. We have been entrusted with many, many blessings. How are we using them? By the way, the commands from Scripture are also, they're not only all-inclusive, every command precedes a promise. In other words, the promises, as I said in verse 2, 4, uh, 8, and 10, they're all conditional promises based on verses 1, verse 3, verse 5, 6, and 7, and verse number 9. The reality is if we're doing what God has told us to do, the promises follow. You get that? It's not just like a blanket, oh, this is going to be health. No, the only reason you're going to have health unto your navel, right, is if you're doing what it says beforehand. Oh, listen, the essence of this whole idea in Proverbs chapter 3 is trust. It's a total affair of the heart. And I want you to know that God is trustworthy. Do you believe that? Do you believe God can be trusted? Our Lord has entrusted us with our possessions and opportunities and abilities and on and on, and they all belong to him. But he expects us it's, it's like a non-negotiable. He expects us to be good stewards of these things. Otherwise, he would not give them to us. And by the way, 
I'm going to pick on myself a little bit. When you don't make smart decisions, not everything falls in this, but sometimes when you don't get enough rest, my wife's smiling. She's getting excited. She's like, I told you, you need to get more rest, right? When we don't get the rest we need. Hey, men, when we don't drink water, I'll just have me some coffee. Now, chug some water every once in a while or you're going to have some kidney surgeries. <laughs> Take it. I had three this past year. Okay, uh, well, I, when, we, when we don't take care of ourselves and we wonder why, when we wonder why, man, why do I always feel like somebody, Gary, we were talking this morning and he said, how you feeling? I said, man, I, 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 you know, I've I, I gotten through this new year, but I said, uh, I'm already tired and it's only day eight. We have to be smart, right? God has entrusted us with this shell, with this physical body. We're to be a good steward of it. And, we put, and when we put our physical body through things that really are not helpful, staying up way too late, getting like an hour of sleep, listen, that's only valid if you have new babies in the house, right? Where's, where's I see them back there, right? You... When, when you have new babies in the house, okay, I got news for you, okay. They're going to wake up. They're going to need to be fed. They're going to need to be changed, right? But we can make some choices. We can make some decisions that are healthy because God is trustworthy to entrust us with these things, but he expects us to be good stewards. In other words, we are trustees of everything he has given us. So let me ask a couple of questions. You say, well, where the, where's the questions? Well, here's the deal. Can God trust you to be a good steward? Can he trust you to be a good steward with the things that he's entrusted you with? Can he trust me? These are questions that we have to mull over. These are questions that really demand an answer. And, and sir or ma'am, if you say, or young person, you say, no, nah, I'm not answering that question today. You just answered it. I'm not going to answer. Well, you just answered it. Have we proven to our Lord that we are trustworthy of the things that he has entrusted us with. And then on the flip side, let me ask this question. Do we really trust God? Because that's what came up in the lesson this morning. When you started on the lesson, I started thinking about, oh my gosh, this is the Holy Spirit has worked this out in advance. I had no clue what you were going to teach on today. And yet it comes back to the question, do I really trust God? Do I have faith in God that even though I'm sitting in the middle of a prison, either if it's of my own making or otherwise, I'm sitting here in this prison and am I trusting him to see me through? Or am I trusting in something or someone else to try and see me through or get me out, right? And so it's all about trust. We say we trust God, but do our lives really communicate that trust? Are we trusting him in the big things and the little things alike? See, a lot of times people say, hey, pastor, I got a big decision. Would you pray for me? Man, would you just pray for me that, that I make the right decision? And I'm glad that you asked for me to pray in that situation. But you know what? We ought to be praying for the little things too, each and every day. Do we yield ourselves to him? Are we living our lives with trust in him? 
or do we even consult him? Sometimes I'm afraid we don't even consult God when it comes to some of the decisions we make. But I can assure you all three are needful in the life of a good steward. Scripture confirms that God can actually be trusted. Watch this. Because his care for you and his care for me is constant. His care for you and his care for me is constant. In fact, the writer of Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse number 5. The writer of Hebrews says, for he has said. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about our Lord. He says, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Most people love that verse. Man, Jesus is trustworthy. He says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Even when you don't see him moving. It's like that song. Even when you don't see him moving. When you don't feel him moving. When you don't see him working. He's there. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He is with you in the midst of it all. Watch what he says. He says, so that we may boldly say, verse number six, or confidently say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do to me. This is similar. Guys, Scripture confirms Scripture, right? So if you have a question in Scripture, like you say, man, I believe in this, you better back it up with some Scripture. You better, you better give me more than one verse. You're like, man, this is, this, my, man, this, this, this is on, I'm standing on this, brother. You better, you better get another verse. You better confirm it. You better, you better, better not be making big decisions without confirming Scripture. That verse in Hebrews chapter 13 is essentially exactly what God was telling Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 in verse number 5. Notice he says, as I was with Moses, Joshua, I know you're afraid. I know you're scared. I know, I know that you're fearful. I know that you have a little bit of anxiety. Anybody here ever deal with anxiety? I think that's probably common. But God tells him, he says, hey, Joshua, as I was with Moses... He says, so will I be with thee. I will not, watch, I will not fail you. I'm not going to fail you. I will not forsake you. In fact, David, he referred to God's constant care when speaking to his son Solomon. In 1 Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 20, here's what he tells his son. He says, be strong and of good courage and do it. He says, just do it, boy. Man, that sounds like my grandpa. Just do it and don't let your mouth overload your butt. You say, I've never heard that from behind the pulpit. Maybe that would be something that we would take and apply in our lives. He says, just be strong and of good courage and do it. He says, fear not nor be dismayed. Watch what he says. For the Lord God, even my God will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Listen, he will not leave us. He will not forsake us until he calls us home. I'm headed for heaven and I can't help it. But guess what? While I'm here, while I'm occupying, I ought to be able to trust him with the things he's entrusted me with. By the way, the original Greek word or the phrase. In fact, guys, can you show Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 again? That last part of Hebrews chapter 5 where it says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It's actually what we know in English as a double negative. It's a double negative. 
And here's what it is literally saying to us. It is telling you and me that God will not at all or by no means never in no case nor ever ever leave us or forsake us. Three people said amen. Can I tell you, you need that promise today. You need that promise today. Because without the Lord, we can do nothing. Don't leave this place without Jesus. Don't turn the computer off without Jesus. Oh, we need him every hour. In fact, uh, the writer uh, Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7 that we can cast our care on him, Jesus. Why? Because he cares for us. My friends, when it comes to anything, including our responsibilities as a steward, we can trust him because his care is constant. It never ceases. And his care plan has total coverage. You like that? I thought it was good. His care plan has total coverage. You know, some of these insurance care plans you get, they don't have total coverage, do they, Charlie? You got to get a plan that has total coverage. And with Jesus, we get total coverage. You want to know why we get total coverage? Because he is sovereign. He's in charge. He's all-powerful. He's able to do all things in heaven and earth. Oh, listen, we have a care plan that works on our behalf. Psalm 37, 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily there thou shalt be fed. In fact, in this psalm right here, that first word, trust, it comes from the same exact Hebrew word as the word trust in Proverbs 3, 5. Now, I don't know if you guys can throw that up. I don't think I asked you to do it, but if you throw up Proverbs 3, 5, again, remember, trust in the Lord. Right? So it comes from the same exact word, and here's what it literally means. It literally means to be confident, sure, and bold. But watch this. It also carries with it, this is going to seem unusual, but it also carries with it the word careless. Careless. And you say, whoa, uh, what does that mean? The reality is I believe that here in Psalm 37, David is saying that you and I, can be so confident, you and I can be so sure, we can be so, so bold in the Lord that it would seem as if you and I are a little bit careless. It's not that we're careless. It's that we serve a great God and that he's able to do what he says he would do. Oh, listen, when 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us to cast our care on him, the reality of that meaning suggests that instead of carrying a load of cares, that you and I must learn that our Lord cares for us so much. His care plan is so complete that we can boldly, we can confidently, we can assuredly cast them all on Him. Why? Because He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Amen? Oh, listen, his care is constant and his care is generous. In fact, uh, nothing really to follow up there other than I would encourage you to go read Psalm 136 because every verse in Psalm 136 says that his mercy endures forever. It says something, his mercy endures forever. Something, his mercy endures forever. Something, his mercy endures forever. Over and over and over, we're reminded of the generosity of God. So you say, what's the big deal? Well, we've been entrusted with some wonderful things, and I think that uh, the reality is that we can trust our Lord in any situation we face. Today, you may be facing an adversity. Can I tell you, you can trust God in that in adversity? 
In fact, David, who faced a lot of adversity in his life, in Psalm 56, he says these words, he says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresses me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. They be many that fight against me, O thou most high. But notice what he says in verse number three. He says, what time I am afraid. He says what? He says, I will trust in thee. In God will I praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Oh, listen, it's all about trust. If you're going to be a good steward, you got to learn, steward, you need to learn to trust God. I need to learn to trust God more each and every day of my life. David put it this way in Psalm 34, 4. He said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. So in both passages, David says, hey, guess what? Here's what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to keep on trusting God because when I trust God, he not only hears me, but he actually delivers me. By the way, the only reason God heard David was because David called out unto him. He said, Lord, now does God know? Absolutely he knows. He's sovereign. Does he have a plan? Absolutely. He's sovereign. And we can, we can debate this all back and forth until we're blue in the face. But the reality is David says, I called on the Lord and he heard me. Listen, if I don't call out to Krista, she doesn't hear me. And many times when she calls out to me, I don't hear her. You got that, right? I didn't call and she didn't hear me, but she does call and I didn't hear. Sometimes I think we're like that with God. God's trying to speak to us, trying to get a hold of our lives, trying to wake us up. It's as if we got bad alarm clocks. You got, if you can't hear the voice of God and the Spirit of God, there's something going on. Sir, ma'am, young person, if you're no longer responsive, if you're no longer receptive to the Word of God, there's a problem. There's something going on. There's something that needs to be addressed. And maybe the alarm clock is going off in your mind and in your heart today. And God is saying, listen, listen, listen. I've entrusted you with everything that you have. And all I'm asking is that you trust me. I'm asking you to trust me and to be a good steward of the things I've given you. Oh, we need to trust him in times of adversity. We need to trust our Lord in times of triumph, which, by the way, can be more difficult, right? Because when everything's riding high, we typically don't think we need God. We're like, no, I got it. I got it. I'm doing big things today. Listen, when you have that mindset, you're setting yourself up for a fall. You get a haughty spirit, you're getting ready to fall. You think you've achieved something, you're getting ready to fall. And so we have to be careful. Listen, Proverbs 18, verse 10 and 11 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. That's good news. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it. And they're safe. But verse 11 says the rich man's wealth or the rich man's substance, if you please, is his strong city and as a high wall in his own conceit. At the end of the day, we trust God in adversity. We trust him in times of triumph. But we must recognize and trust our Lord as our source for everything. That's how we learn to trust him more. In the passage that I just read, the wise man's illustrating a contrast between someone who knows the name of the Lord is a strong tower, someone who runs to the Lord, knowing that he is a safety net for them, and someone who, on the other hand, puts all of their confidence, all of their trust, all of their hope in their substance. So much so 
that it actually becomes like a high wall that they can't even climb or get over. Sadly, I think sometimes we do that in our own lives. As stewards of all that God has entrusted and blessed us with, we must ask ourselves, can I trust? Can I be trusted? Can the Lord trust me? And do I trust the Lord? One of the great preachers of years gone by was a pastor by the name of S.M. Lockridge. Some of you may have heard of S.M. Lockridge. He was the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego, California. Kind of scares me when I give you this, but he was the pastor from 1953 to 1993. Don't get any ideas. As I thought about that, I was like, that's crazy. My wife's shaking her head, no. <laughs> but you may have heard one of the videos that they typically play, a short clip of one of his messages entitled, That's My King. And he rambles through an entire list of wonderful characteristics and traits of our Lord, but what many of you may not know is that most of that came from an earlier message in 1976 in which S.M. Lockridge was preaching on trusting God. I'm sure it was much better than the message I have preached today. But he was preaching on trusting God. And I want to share with you, some of it will sound familiar because what we know as that's my king was extrapolated out of some of these words. And if you want a copy of this later, I'll, I'll make a copy of this. But here's a little bit of what he said in 1976 about trusting God. He said, he's the one. He said, he's the one who made us. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. The heaven declare the glory of God and the firmament show us his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love, nor no foreseeing, far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. He says, I'm telling you today, you can trust him. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong and he's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast and he's immortally graceful. He's empirically, powerfully, and impartially merciful. He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. What I'm trying to tell you, church, he said, is that you can trust him. He says he does not have to call for help, and you cannot confuse him. He doesn't need you, and he doesn't need me. He stands alone in the solitude of himself. He's august, and he's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He is highest personality and philosophy. He's the supreme problem of higher criticism. He said he's the fundamental doctrine of, I love it, truthology. That's a new word for us. 
He said he's the cardinal necessity of the spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you can call him. I'm telling you, you can trust him. He can satisfy all your needs and he can do it simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available to the tempted and tried. He sympathizes and he sees. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the leper. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meek. I'm trying to tell you, church, you can trust him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway to deliverance. He's the pathway to peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway, if you please, of glory. Oh, you can trust him. He's the master of the mighty. He's the capturer of conquerors. He's the head of heroes. He's the leader of legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Oh, you can trust him. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteousness. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Oh, I wish I could describe him because he's indescribable, because he's incomprehensible. He's irresistible because he's invincible. You can't get him off your hands. You can't get him off your mind and you can't outlive him and you can't live without him. I love that one. He said the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they could not stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him, and the witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. He said Herod couldn't kill him, death could not handle him, and thank God the grave could not hold him. There was nobody before him, there'll be nobody after him. He has no predecessor, and he'll have no successor. You cannot impeach him, and he's not going to resign. Oh, you can trust him. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's all things. He's the giver of life. He's the joy out of every sorrow. He's the light of every darkness. He's the peace that passes all understanding. He's the giver of every good gift and perfect gift. You can trust him. Oh, listen, there's no God before him. There'll be no God after him. He's the first. He's the last. He is preeminent. Why? Because he is the God that you and I can trust. And can I tell you, he's entrusted us with everything that we have. So the question is, do you trust him? By the way, I need some oxygen. <laughs> Stewardship is not about your money. You got to get away from that thinking. Stewardship it's about trusting God. It's about, it's about honoring God with the substance of all that we have and actually giving Him the best and the first gifts of all that we have. And can I tell you from the bottom of my heart, the gift that He wants the most is you. The gift that he wants is for us to stop playing church. To stop playing this, this, this game of, of so-called religion. Because a life with Christ is not about a religion, it's about a relationship. Just as real as any relationship that you think you have here in this life. 
can I tell you guys, from the bottom of my heart, I love this woman right here. But one day we will be separated. One day, we don't know. Just as Joseph was living in chapter 40, he didn't know what chapters 41 through 50 look like, and neither do we. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds my tomorrows. And the gift that he wants the most today, he wants you and he wants me to trust him, to live a life, to live a life that says, God, I don't understand it. I don't get it. This is hard. I'm hurting. Do you not hear me? I'm asking you, Lord, do you not hear me? I need you to work in my life. But I can't imagine he's simply sitting on his throne with tears in his eyes. How could you not know? How could you not know that I don't love you? How could you, how could you ask the question if I'm acquainted with your grief? How could you ask the question about what's going on in my heart? Because I proved my love. And I prove my love every day. My mercy is new every day towards you. I've withheld so many times what you really deserve because I'm merciful and my mercy endures forever. And all I'm asking you to do is to understand that everything that I've entrusted you with your life, your influence, the Word of God, time, your abilities, whatever it is, even your finances. I'm just asking you to be faithful. And I'm asking you that if you be faithful, I'm promising you that you will be fruitful. See, fruit is not, not about me. It's all about Him living and working in and through me. So if you're here, man, I'm real serious. I don't know about you, but you better take a look around. Things are getting worse. Joseph was in prison for no reason. Now let's just stop and think about that. Same could happen to us. If you don't know Christ today, can I beg you? And I hope you've heard more than enough evidence to know that Jesus loves you and that he died for you. He took your sin, he took my sin, and he placed it on his own body. If you don't know him, and you now believe that he is who he says he is, the word of God and the spirit of God has drawn you to this conclusion, and you're asking yourself, what I do with this truth? The reality of scripture says, call out upon the name of the Lord. Thou shall be saved. You may be confused. You say, well, how do I do that? I don't even understand what that is. I've never prayed. I, I, I don't even know what words do I say. Can I tell you beyond the words? God is more impressed with what's going on in our hearts. And so maybe if you're here this morning, you would just simply pray. I don't care. You could pray with your eyes open, you know. You just pray right now. 
while I'm talking to you, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Come into my life. I'm tired of playing games. I need you to forgive me. I need you to come into my life, and I need you to do what you can do only to change me so that I might be a better steward of all that you have entrusted me with. I recognize that this, too, is a gift from you that you have entrusted for me. So, God, I'm asking you to save me. Now, if that's your prayer this morning, if that's your desire this morning, I'm not going to embarrass you. But don't walk out of this place, even after the music ends and the service is over, without telling me, telling somebody that you trusted Jesus. And because I care about your growth, I'm going to ask you and invite you to grab one of those blue bags back there. It's got a Bible in there. It's got a reading plan. It's got all kind of helps to get you going in your new journey of faith. Right? Guys, 2023, we have no guarantees. Only this life, which will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. Father, I love you and I thank you and I praise you. God, I pray now as we sing this song of invitation that you would be honored and glorified by the decisions and the desires of our heart that we might trust you more and that we might ourselves be found more trustworthy of all that you have entrusted us with. And Lord, we give you the praise and we give you the glory because you're the only one that's worthy of it. Lord, we do this in the name of Jesus and for his sake, amen.